So you get to see me through all of that transition today. I thought you guys couldn't get enough of this shiny bald head. You just needed some more of it today, right? No, actually, my son Timothy's working the lights today, so he's trying to figure it out. So big step for him. So he, uh, he's been dying for an opportunity, and the next thing he wants to do is move this podium from over there to over here. So he's super happy about getting to serve, and that's a big deal for him. So those of you guys who have known him most of his life, lots of steps, so we're doing good. All right, thank you, son. Appreciate that. Hey, good morning, everybody. We're working on it. Maybe the rain's affecting you. All right, we'll try it a little bit next week. All right. Are you all feeling back to normal? Not really. Some of you still kind of needing some more sleep. All right. Have you adjusted to the new time yet? All right, all right, all right. Well, glad to see you all this morning. Hey, before we get going, real quick, real quick, um, I just want to let you guys know that, hey, we keep track of our attendance here at the church, and so... Over the last few weeks, we've actually had quite a number of visitors come and check us out and see what First Baptist is all about, so we're grateful that God would bless us with that. Um, But uh, what that also means is that we are in need of uh, some more change makers, people who volunteer and serve around here on Sunday. So um, I want to let you know that we have some immediate needs in the areas of like preschool, children's ministry, and first impressions. And first impressions is greeters and connection hosts and and ushers and security and refreshments and all the stuff that makes Sunday happen. And so here's what we'd like for you to do. In the pew rack in front of you, you see a connection card. And uh, we're we're asking for you to volunteer. And so if you sense the Lord may be prompted upon you to maybe consider thinking about, possibly considering thinking about, possibly consider thinking about, and so on, and you want to possibly consider being involved, here's what we want you to do with that connection card. Fill that out. Give us your pertinent information, how we can contact you. And then you can put it in the offering box in the lobby on your way out. Or you can bring it to the connection kiosk with the big TV uh, in the lobby there. You can bring it after the service is over. And a connection host will be there. And Pastor Dan Barber will also be there. And we can help answer any questions that you may have about being involved here at First Baptist and being a change maker. Amen? All good stuff, all right? And by the way, with Easter coming up, can you believe Easter is like two, three weeks away? It's going to be here real soon. We could easily use about 20 more people to help uh, serve. And consider, if you would, we need people to serve one to two times a month in those areas. So be praying about how God would use you to be a change maker here at First Baptist. All right, good stuff. Hey, we are in a sermon series that we're calling, What Are You Thinking? And let me ask you that. What? What are you thinking? What have you been thinking about? We're talking about how important it is to pay attention to our thought life, and and here's why, because we're learning that life is shaped by our thoughts. We've been looking at various verses in the Bible that teach us how to think like God wants us to think. Because remember, Proverbs 23, 7. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And our thought life is like a path. It's like a trail, a river, a road, any of these kind of images that you can think of. That where our thoughts, wherever they go, 
so our actions are going to follow as well as our emotions right behind it. So the more you think a certain thought in this life, the easier it is going to become to think that same thought over and over and over and over again. And this is true not only for good and godly thoughts, but it's also true for sinful and self-destructive thoughts as well. So if you can imagine something, what would happen if you ate nothing but junk food for a really long time? And I'm talking the really bad stuff like broccoli and spinach and lean chicken and salad, you know, the horrible stuff. I mean, what would it be like? No, but seriously, if you ate junk food, and I'm talking Twinkies and potato chips and cheeseburgers and donuts, all the good stuff in life, right? But if that's all that you ate, it would absolutely affect your life, not just physically, but spiritually, mentally, and emotionally as well. All of it. The same is true with our mind. If we allow only junk thoughts to come into our mind, and if we're not proactive in kind of weeding them out, if we just allow these things in our life to happen and our thoughts go into the stratosphere, it is going to affect us. It's going to affect us spiritually, mentally, emotionally, and physically. All of it. And here's what I find interesting, and maybe you've caught on to this too in the world. We hear all the time, hey, lay off the carbs. We hear it all the time. Get in better physical shape. But at the same time, when it comes to our thoughts, it's silent. It's almost like green light. Yeah, man, if it feels good, do it. If you enjoy it, it's all good for you. There's no restrictions. It's almost like culture doesn't even value taking proactive measures when it comes to our thought life. And that's why we're doing this sermon series. Because what we think, congregation, absolutely matters in this life. God wants us to be proactive in our thinking, not just reactive. He doesn't want us to be passive, and yet so many of us struggle in this area. And our thoughts and our minds, we go from zero to 200 miles an hour without passing go, without collecting how much? 200 bucks. If you know your monopoly, right? We just go and go. There's no breaks. There's no restrictions. So hopefully you grabbed an outline today and you're following with me today. I think you're going to find today to be helpful. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 23. Here's what the Apostle Paul says. Be made new, okay, but how? He says right here, in the attitude of your minds. So if you haven't been here for the last two weeks, we've been saying that this is the idea, that transformation begins in the mind. It doesn't happen when we're trying to stop whatever behavior it is that we're struggling with. When you do that, it's not going to work. Transformation happens when we change what we think about. And this is why God gave this instruction to the Apostle Paul to write it down for us and for the church in Ephesus. We are made new in the attitude of our mind. When we change what we're thinking about, we're made new. 
The Apostle Paul says the exact same thing to the church in Rome, a completely different way, though. Romans chapter 12, verse 2, he says this. Do not conform. Now, I want you to circle that word, conform. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. That's the no-no, right? Don't do the things the world keeps screaming at us that it's perfectly okay to do. No, he says, but be transformed. Now circle that word, transform. How, he says right here, by the renewing of your mind. So there it is. And what's the byproduct of what will take place, he says right here. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So let's put it all together. Here's the Apostle Paul. He says we are to be made new in the attitude of our mind in Ephesians, and we're to be transformed by the renewing of our mind in Romans. So, and this is crucial, when we get rid of worldly thinking and instead we begin to think like Jesus did, and if we have his perspective on life, and that was last week's message, transformation begins to happen. Are you with me, congregation? Okay. I've heard this verse right here in Romans 12 too, preached a lot over my life. Maybe you have too. And I've heard preachers say something to the effect of this. God's going to transform you, Christian. And then later down the road, I've heard people say, hey, it's not working. Why is that? Very simple. Because many people try to change their behavior. Or they try to change their feelings. And hear me, congregation, it's not going to work. They started in the wrong place. And I'm going to keep beating this drum. We have to first change what we think about, and then later down the line, emotions and behavior catch up. Let me give you a couple of definitions here for these words. Romans chapter 12. The first definition I want you to get is for that word conform. It means to give the same shape, outline, or contour to, to act in accordance with prevailing standards of other people. And you see here, this is what we are not supposed to do. And yet it's exactly what so many people do. We're not to conform to the shape or the mold or the contour of the patterns in the unbelieving world. And my encouragement to you, brothers and sisters, is this. Before you make a decision it would be incredibly wise for you to ask this question. What does God say about this? And if God is not explicit in the scripture on a certain subject, then the question should be this. What is the wise thing for me to do here? Because friends, here, here it is. Just because something is acceptable in society does not mean that God says it is acceptable. And if we just hop on the bandwagon and do what everybody else is doing because the world thinks it's all good and, and everybody's being conformed to it, yet God says, no, we're going to be in a real tough spot. Now, here's what's interesting to me. If I were to 
poll every single one of you, you probably would all say, absolutely, pastor, I do not want to be conformed to the pattern of the world. But let's plug this into our thought life. Congregation, are you allowing the prevailing standards, the outline, the shape, the customs of the world, if you will, we're going to call that the world's way, are you allowing the world's way to be accepted into your mind and into your life without any hesitation or without any question? Are you asking, is God for this? Is God against this? Is God neutral on this? Because at the end of the day, here's what it comes down to. Am I allowing the culture, the beliefs, the viewpoints, the customs, the opinions of the unbelieving world to influence my life and my thinking, and am I conforming to it? So I ask you today, is that where you're at? Do you think like the world thinks? Do you share the values of the unbelieving culture out there? Or do you share the values of God and what we see all throughout the Bible? Second word, Romans 12, to focus on is transform. This is to change the nature or character or personality of. This is exactly what we are supposed to do. Now remember here, this is the opposite of conform. It's the complete opposite of conform. Because conformed means you're getting pressure from the outside influences of the world to change who you are on the inside. Right? The world says, hey, this is what we believe. This is what we practice. This is what we do. And we get this pressure to kind of join in. Culture sends that message. Everybody's doing it. Everybody's for it. Or everybody's against it. Whatever it is. But the reality is, beloved, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, it doesn't matter if everyone in the world is for it or against it. And it doesn't matter the topic. Listen, if God is against it, you need to be against it. If God is for it, you need to be for it. It doesn't matter and hear me on this. It doesn't matter if you are the last person on earth standing up for God. That's conformed. Transformation is different. Transformation means God is changing us from the inside out. Complete opposite of conform. When we read the scripture, we see how Jesus behaves. We see how Jesus thinks. And so God begins to change us by seeing that from the inside out. And he begins to change us a little bit at a time each and every day. The more that we read scripture, the more that we begin to think like Jesus thinks, God changes us more and more and more and more. It's a process. He'll fill us up, and then our behavior will eventually catch up to the teaching that we see in scripture. Do you understand that, congregation? You with me? Amen. We have to understand that there is no microwave Christianity, right? It's a process. It's a slow cooker. You can tell I'm hungry. <laughs> we have to be realistic about things. All right, let me give you a couple more words. The next one is repent. 
Now, most people, when they hear this word, they go right to this idea of like repenting of their sins. Don't go there right now. That's a different sermon on a different day. You see in your notes here, the Greek word for repent is metanoia. And here's what this word means. It means to change the way that you think. You see, when we hear this word repent, we just gravitate to this idea of like our actions, the the sin in our life. And I need to stop doing this sin and I need to repent of that sin and whatever it is. But the reality is to repent means Biblical repentance means changing the way that we think. It's not stopping a behavior. Because like we've been saying, when you correct how you're thinking, it influences your behavior. And if you're thinking repent means changing your behavior, I'm telling you, it's just not going to work. You're going to find yourself doing that same thing over and over and over. And I know that none of you struggle with that. Maybe one or two of you do. Here's, this is the reason why. Because you're trying to change behavior. Don't do that. Let's work on what you're thinking about. The next word, confess. And the Greek word for this one is homologio. Okay? And this word means to say the same thing. Biblically speaking, we are to say the same thing that God says about everything. We're to say the same thing that God says. We're to have the thinking that God has. And so if our thinking and our views are not in the alignment of what God says about whatever subject it is you want to think about, then we are wrong. We need to correct course. It is not God who needs to change to us. So we need to repent, metanoia, and we need to change the way that we think so we can be in alignment with God. Congregation, this right here, this is the secret sauce for transformation in your life. Our calling is to get out of the old way of thinking. We're to get in with God's way of thinking. We're to get our thoughts in alignment with God. And when our thoughts are not in alignment with God, we need to repent and confess. Because all through Scripture, across the whole Bible, we see that this is how transformation actually happens. It's not in behavior. It's in a changed mind. Transformation happens internally, God working inside of us, and then it trickles outward in our actions. So you see in your outline, I put a statement here to kind of give a different way of looking at confession. When it comes to confessing your faith, and you see here, that confessing your faith is this, saying what God says about who you are and who he is. We could say a whole lot about this, but in a very simple way, confessing your faith has two parts here you see. Number one, we have to say the same thing about you and about you and about you and about you that God says about you. And then we have to say the same thing about God that he says about himself. So if you want godly biblical transformation in your life, then you must, 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 must confess and repent. 
You have to get into alignment with God. Are you with me, congregation? Okay. It is not God's responsibility to get in alignment with you. But so often, we think that it is. Letter A in your outline. Here's how this plays out. When I say what God says, I begin to think like Jesus thinks. This is what we looked at last week because I'm building on last week. I don't want to beat this to death, my friends, but this is the secret sauce here to transformation. It's bringing our thoughts into alignment with how Jesus thinks. And you can see the progression here in your notes. Confession leads to repentance. And remember, confession is saying, I'm in agreement with what God says. And when we repent, we're saying, I need to change the way that I think. So when you think about your relationships, it doesn't matter if it's your family, your friends, your coworkers, whatever. When you think like God thinks about these people and about how you are to appropriately relate to them, when you do that, you will grow in your faith and your relationships will grow. They will improve. And if you don't do that, if you don't think like God thinks about them, your relationships will stay the same. How are your relationships doing in life? How about values? If you think like God thinks about values, your life and your view of values will change and improve. How are you thinking about values? How about money? Let's go there. If you think like God thinks about money, your attitude about money will change. Your actions with money will change. The way you think about money will change, and you'll become more in alignment with God. So it doesn't really matter the subject, beloved. It doesn't. Because it all starts in our mind. And I know I'm beating this drum today, but I think you're getting it. If we actually want to be the disciple that Jesus wants us to be and the disciple that I think that you want to get to be, what we think about matters. What we think about is the starting line. It's not about changing our behavior. So once again, look at that lead verse, Ephesians 4, 23. Be made new in the attitude of your minds. And when we look at this word right here, be made new, the first part of that verse, the Greek word for be made new is anakano'o. Try to say that one. Anakano'o. It means to renovate, to be changed into a new kind of life. So here's the fact. The context of Ephesians chapter 4 Paul is telling the church in Ephesus to take off the old life and put on the new life in Christ. You used to be about bitterness. You used to be about slander. You used to be about gossip. You used to be about cussing and all the old stuff. You don't need to do that anymore. That's the old way. Now it's about living in Christ. He says you need to be renovated here. You need to have this new life of Christ from this point moving forward. And if you've ever renovated anything in your house, like a kitchen or a bathroom or something like that, you know that we're not just talking about a fresh coat of paint or a new shower head. No, no, no. We're talking about a complete 
makeover, right? It's a lot of work to do, stripping things all the way back to the studs. And so when you think about renovation, at least for me, what is the tool that we use at the beginning? The sledgehammer. Every teenage guy's favorite tool. Dad, can I use this one on the concrete? Oh, yeah. Have at it, son. Save my back, right? We bring out the sledgehammer, and then we just start going to town and busting things left and right. Well, the same idea needs to happen in our lives. So letter B, renovation begins with demolition. We bring out the big guns. We bring out the sledgehammer, and we start just getting rid of all the old junk. In your thought life, you need the sledgehammer. We have to demolish, hear me, congregation, all the old junk thoughts in our life. All of the strongholds that have taken root, that's what we have to get rid of. And whenever we have a stronghold in our life, and remember from week one in the series, a stronghold is a lie that we have believed to be true. And so whenever we have this stronghold, the only pathway forward is to demolish it. And how do we demolish it? We look at what God says about it, and we have to on-ramp the truth of the Bible into our lives. Because the truth of God is the sledgehammer. It renovates our minds. It rebuilds us from the ground up. And now we have this ability to think on the truth rather than the lie. In the Old Testament, in the book of Psalms, Psalm 107, it talks about how people are in a dark, gloomy place. And it tells us how they got there. Look at verses 10 through 16 with me, Psalm 107. Scripture says, Some sat in darkness, in utter darkness, prisoners suffering in iron chains. And here's why, verse 11. Because they rebelled against God's commands and despised the plans of the Most High. So he subjected them to bitter labor. They stumbled and there was no one to help. Verse 13. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them from their distress. He brought them out of the darkness, the utter darkness, and broke away their chains. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. For he breaks down gates of bronze and cuts through bars of iron. Okay. So they disobeyed God, and we see in verse 12 that God gave out some consequences for that disobedience. And then in verse 13, they cry out, and God hears them. And then in verse 14, God brings them out of trouble. He broke their chains and set them free. Here's the principle for us. The Lord sets us free when we listen to him and when we pay attention to him and when we obey him. We have to repent and confess. So let's take it one step further now. Romans chapter 8, verse 1. I'm reading from the English Standard Version here. There is therefore now 
No condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Listen to me, friends. For believers, for those of us here who have accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, he lives in our hearts. Listen to me. Let me bring you news. Your past, your present, your future sins, all of them are already forgiven. Somebody say hallelujah. Man, what a blessing that is. In one act of Jesus dying on the cross, all of the guilt, the shame, the resentment, the you're a loser and you're never going to amount to anything stuff in life, all of it is gone. That is a promise that God has given us right here, Romans chapter 8, verse 1. Thank you, Lord. I'm not worthy of that. So the question then is this. Are we living this? Are we living this biblical truth out every day in our life? We know that our life is shaped by our thoughts. But if we're not thinking that thought, guess what? You're not living it out in daily life. We can know what the Bible says. We can even know that the promise is true. But it doesn't mean we're living it out. So if you want this truth, that one right there in Romans 8.1, to be your actual reality, congregation, you have to think on it. Scripture says that when we think about And we think on what is true and what is noble, what is praiseworthy, all of the truths of the Bible. It is then, at that point, that we begin to experience these truths in all of their fullness in our lives. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. If anyone who belongs to Christ, I'm sorry, anyone who belongs to Christ has become what? A new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. Congregation, do you believe that today? Yes or no? All right, some of you still don't. That's okay. We're saying that we believe it. So here's the question then. Are you thinking that in your daily life? Because remember, Proverbs 23, 7, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Are you claiming this truth? Are you starting to see a pattern here? Because here's the truth. If you're not thinking it in daily life, and if you're not leaning into the truth, if you're not claiming the truth, it's not changing your life, and it ends up just being a fact that you know. The new life that Paul is talking about here, when we bring in the repentance and the confession, when we think the way that we're supposed to think that's in alignment with God and what he says, then we get to experience it. It is at that point that we are the new creation, right? The old life is gone. You're not who you used to be before you knew Christ. Congregation, do you believe God's messages and his promises are true? I know that you do. But if you're not thinking on his promises, then it's not in your life. Our life is shaped by our thoughts. My encouragement for you, think on the biblical truths. 
Apply them to your life. Claim it to be true. Let's do another one. Hebrews 4, verse 12. Familiar verse. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges. What does it judge? The scripture says it judges the thoughts and attitudes of what? The heart. Woo! That's deep. Very important to get this. The word of God is your best friend. God's word cuts through all the fog. It gets, cuts through all the old stuff. The stuff that we don't need to be thinking on and dwelling on and living on. It brings in and allows the new stuff, the good stuff, the Christian stuff, the stuff that we need to grow and flourish in a relationship with Jesus. And again, I'm not talking about positive thinking here. I'm talking about biblical thinking. We're building on last week's message when we say that when we have the mind and the attitude of Christ, it's when we have that mind and attitude of Christ that we get into alignment with God. Are you with me on that? So it's at this point that we begin to experience that transformation that we seek. I got more good news for you. You like good news? I got good news for you. This is what God wants for you. Yay! (laughs) Yay! And if you do it, you ready for this? He will bless you. Do you want God's blessing in your life? If you want God's blessing in your life and he wants to bless you, but the condition is you have to do things his way. Letter C in your outline. You see, God isn't asking me to make a promise that I cannot keep. He's just asking me to receive a promise that only he can keep. So this isn't raise your right hand and I hope I can do it. No, 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 no. That's positive thinking. We're not talking about that. We're talking about biblical thinking and living it out in daily life. So as we close today, you see in your outline here, some verses, and these are some of our faith confessions. And under the area titled My Faith Confessions, I want you to look at 1 Corinthians 15, verses 3 and 4. Scripture says here that I believe Jesus Christ died for my sins, and he rose again from the dead on the third day. Now, I don't have to ask you to raise your hand because I'm guessing that the vast majority of us in here, and though for those of you watching us online, that you believe this verse to be true. Okay. But are you living it in daily life? Because if you understand what Jesus has done for you, and when you understand what he did to cover your sin, I'm just guessing that when you really understand it, that your behavior is going to look radically different than what it does currently. Because when you internalize what Jesus has actually done for you, 
for you, for you and for you, you and you and you, 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 and you back there. When you get that, it changes you. It's not enough to just know. You see the circle there? No. You can't just know that he died for your sins and rose again. Christians everywhere say hallelujah to that every week across the world. No, no, no. Is it in your daily mind? Because it is there that this truth changes you. Now back to 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17 again. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. If I'm not thinking it, I'm not going to be living in daily life. John's gospel. Chapter 8, verse 36. By the way, how are you doing with reading John with me? I finished chapter 6 yesterday. I'm having fun with it. I learned a lot. John 8, 36 says this. The Son has set me free. I am what? I am. Woo, hallelujah. We are free, church. Now, a little sidebar here. This verse right here doesn't mean someday I'm hoping for that God is going to make it happen at some point down the road. No, it's not what this verse says. It's not what this verse means. What this verse means is that if you are a believer in Jesus, that you've already been set free. The prison cell doors are busted wide open. The handcuffs are off. They're on the ground over there, okay? All you have to do is get up off the floor and walk out the door. Your personal jail cell that you have is open. You can walk into a free life with Christ. So hear me on this. There is a difference between our spiritual condition and our head knowledge. And I get that. Because sometimes there's a lag time between what we know to be truth and how our minds get there. But if you can start thinking biblically and if you can be receiving the truth into your life, it will begin to kind of wear a pathway in your mind where you can think about the truth over and over and over again. And then it becomes reality to you. Then you're going to be on your way. But if you don't start, you're never going to get there. And eventually, eventually, these truths are going to be like regular part of your life. You want the mind of Christ? Then you have to do that. And the more you do it, the more it becomes in focus. Do you want a radical, different future? then this is what you have to do. You know the abundant life that Jesus talked about? I've come that you may have life and have life abundant. It's when you imprint and put the truth of his word into your life. Are you with me on that? Let's press on. Congregation, you have been set free. Live it out. Romans eight thirty one. Scripture says, God is for me. Who can be against me? Maybe you've read that verse before. Think about it. If God is for you, who can be against you? Nobody. 
But yet so many people think that this world is against them. And so the repentance part comes in, the metanoia. We just have to change what we think about. So as we close today, congregation, let me ask you, how's your thought life doing? Is it in alignment with God? Are you being transformed by him in your life? Or are you conforming to the patterns of the world? Do you have the world's value system in your life? And what we've been saying each week of this series is that if your thought life is more in tune with the ways of the world and the world's value system, you're being conformed by it. It's not what God wants for you. God desires for you to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And if that's not where you are, what are you supposed to do about it? What can you do about it? All of us, we need to confess. We need to say the same thing about God that he says about everything else. We need to see how God sees us. We need to see who he is. And the secret to Romans 12 too is to not change our behavior, but to change what we think about. It's going back to the beginning, working on our thought life. Transformation happens when we start with our mind. I want you to receive that promise that only he can keep. Amen? I'm going to invite you to stand and pray with me this morning. Father, we come before you today. To just thank you for who you are. To thank you for your goodness and your grace and your mercy and your love, God, in our life. When we do not deserve the blessings that you give us. Father, I thank you that we've had this time to study your word. And to see how important confession and repentance are. So that we can transform our lives into your image. God, it is our prayer today. Lord, that you would give us the guidance and the boldness and the possibility of major renovation in our life. Lord, we do seek to demolish these strongholds that have been weighing us down, these things that we've allowed to take root in our life because we have believed a lie that they were truth and they're not. And so God, we need your help today. Lord Jesus, we need your help because we're realizing that they're just lies. And we need some help with where to go. So God, help us to see you, to know you, to sense your presence in our lives. Help us to know your truth, God, what your word says, and help us to lean into that. Lord, I pray that you will begin to lay a wonderful path and foundation in our lives, God, to glorify you, in our thought process, the things that we think about, Lord, that the values that we have, that, we, that they will be in alignment with you and not with the world. God, we don't want to conform to the patterns of the world. We want to conform to the things that you say. We trust you, Lord Jesus. Lord, help us to renew our minds. 
Help us to lean in into your presence. God, for those of us today who are struggling, we need your help. Come over us with your power in a mighty way. Lord, help us to have your thoughts. We want to sense you working in our lives. Help us to focus on your promises each and every day, Lord God. We love you, Jesus. Thank you for being in our midst today. Guide us as we worship you now in Christ's name.